Hello, kittens. It's Lester Savage here at the Primal Life Podcast. My God, you're in for an absolute corker on this one. I've been wanting to do this one for about a year. The next guest is someone who has just been able to approach healing, especially psychological healing, from both angles. It is the lovely Krista McKinnon. Um, now, how on earth do you introduce a guest like this? She studied as a psychologist, she's lectured, she's been a counsellor, a clinical hypnotherapist, but where it gets really interesting is where she's done her studying abroad in ashrams in Asia, she's apprenticed to shamans in Mexico and shamans in Ecuador, and it's just really fascinating how she's pulled on the strings of what works from Western and Eastern culture to create the most wonderful middle ground. Um, you know it's a good podcast when after the recording's done, both guests are absolutely exhausted because we go into some really heavy material here. Um, but I have no doubt that there's going to be some great realisations that occur because of it from you guys. Um, so I have no doubt you're going to love what's about to come. Um, we really delve in mainly to the topics of materialist science versus spirituality. And what I love about Krista is we don't go into any woo-woo. Everything is from tried and tested experience. Uh, she really knows what she's talking about. So if you want to learn more about what she's up to, feel free to visit her website at www.kristamckinnon.com. You'll see how her name's spelled in the podcast description. Um, this is sponsored to you by the Primal Life Method, which is an online course that's been made. In it, you get 60 plus videos of some fantastic online content explaining the Primal Life Method in detail. To find out more about that, just visit www.lestersavage.com or .co.uk. You also get a workbook, my book, you get the journal, you get a 30-minute consultation with me, and you get a relaxation MP3 as well. And that's all for the price of £297. Um, anyway, let's get on with a fantastic podcast, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts afterwards. Get ready for some motivational music. Great, so thanks ever so much for coming on, Krista. I've been wanting to talk to you about all these things that we're going to, about, are going to be discussing for quite a while now. Um, for those of you listening, I first came across uh, Krista really in Waterstones. I was just sitting down, I think, with a, a drink, and I looked over across, and I could see that uh, there was a book called Shamanism, and suddenly this caught my eye because I knew nothing about it. And once I got stuck in, I couldn't stop and I had to buy it there and then. And it was done by Krista. And over the, a couple of months later, I got in contact and here we are talking today. So it's quite surreal, but but lovely. Thanks ever so much for coming on. You're very welcome, Lister. And it's lovely that one very bright young man came across me in Waterstones. <laughs> it's quite rare, isn't it? So yeah, thank you very much for inviting me to come on. Brilliant. Well, so let, let's go straight into it then, because I'd been reading a couple of hundred books and I'd studied a few different theories of philosophy and psychology. 
and shamanism was a completely new thing for me. I didn't really know anything about it. So even though you've got about three books now dedicated to it, which we'll talk about at the end, um, can you give us a little intro as to what shamanism actually is and also maybe what it definitely isn't, just in case people get really confused? Okay. Now, this is quite a difficult question because shamanism is, is, is the oldest psycho-spiritual system uh, on this planet, or the oldest as far as we know, you know. Yeah. Um, and it has developed in a way all over the world as our very distant ancestors' way of making sense of the world and the universe, the mm. world around them and what was going on within them and uh, the whole universe. So what is it precisely is really difficult to answer because it is a psycho-spiritual system that has developed mm. in different parts and has, of course, adapted and developed more uh, over many, many years. What's interesting about it, so, is that even it developed in different parts of the world at different times, it has certain strands in common because it originally comes, of course, from nature observation mm. now, and from the experience uh, of nature. Now, if we say nature observation and nature experience, we, we need to be careful because shamanism is not in that classical sense, of course, a scientific uh, experience or mm. observation. Yeah. It's, it basically uh, uh, combines observation but also experience. And in most of the regions where it developed, um, people had these experiences more or less in altered states. Yeah. So they, they altered uh, their minds to a certain extent. Uh, and, and the few of the world which came out of the nature observation, but also of the experiences, um, is basically based on the whole, on the energetic so on that which is underneath yeah. okay. reality. So you could say, to answer your question, um, shamanism is in a way the oldest psycho-spiritual system developed in different parts of the world mm. uh, for many, many years, which, which enables us in a way to get in touch with the underlying forces of uh, well, all there is, how shamans would call it. Yeah with these underlying worlds and of course also with un our underlying world because like well, as you know in Buddhism they make no big difference between the outer and the inner no no because they base it on a, on an energetic uh, view of reality okay so, so that, that, that that makes complete sense to me so when we talk about spirituality then mm. and this is and we kind of had a conversation on the phone about this previously as we know, mental health is a huge issue that's coming across in the Western world and people are looking for answers. Yeah. And I think a lot of time when people are looking for answers, at least in spirituality, it can throw a lot of rational people, people who assume that they're thinking rationally, it can throw them off because they think that spirituality is, I don't know how to describe it, almost fiction as opposed to what they would class as real. Um, right. How would you approach those people who come in really quite sceptically to the idea of, of shamanism? I would work on really two levels because, of course, if we talk mental health, 
our first step is usually to absolutely acknowledge the client's reality, isn't it? And yeah. if his or her reality uh, is that they are on a level uh, which produces a lot of skepticism around the spiritual mm. uh, uh, level of mental health, mm. uh, I wouldn't even go there in the beginning. Really? I would be quite, quite careful. Having said that, um, I think where we are falling down in Western societies with mental health is that we don't bring in the spiritual component, that we do not acknowledge that there is a deeper reality for everybody. I mean, we can call it a soul or whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, which needs to be taken into account when we look at so-called mental health. Mm -hmm. The idea of mental health being basically only uh, our thought processes, our behaviors and our emotions cuts it down and doesn't bring the level of the deeper spiritual in. And I think the deeper spiritual is not only deeper, it's also wider. And okay. we have lost that. We have lost, according to shamanism, the connection to the wider energy field. So we have become much too... I wouldn't say individualized, but much too disconnected from actually what comes in from the outside, what influences it, but also how we can influence mm -hmm. the outside world. And secondly, we have become disconnected, they would say from spirit, we would maybe say now from soul, from that which might be eternal, right. but which is deeper. And in shamanism, we would basically say, I come back to your question in a moment, that it is that deeper level of so-called soul and spirit which is primary and okay. everything else is actually secondary so if we are out of sync with that deeper level that is one of the reasons why in shamanic terms why we can face mental health problems so coming back to the skeptic, yeah, yeah. come back to that. Yeah. Um, you see, in shamanism, and I don't know how it is uh, in or how you work, but in shamanism, we are changing worldviews. In Western psychology, would say we're changing a belief system. Okay. We can, and we change it through experience rather than through telling people. So if somebody is skeptical about all of this stuff, yeah. I don't even go there. The idea is to give that person or to facilitate experiences which change that fuel. Okay. With that, they widen the view of themselves as well as the world. So often it goes, the view which changes from a materialistic one to a more energetic one. Yeah. And it changes from believing that this is all there is they can access, like the stuff in their own brain, that they can access kind of energies which they then translate into spirit helpers and stuff like this, which are wider. So it gives them a much wider field of access to help. And the third thing, which is often the outcome, 
is that it brings a kind of meaning into their lives. And I think that's something a lot of people are missing. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the outcomes working shamanically with the client. And you will find that a lot of the depression, but also the anxiety we are seeing in mental health has to do with a too narrow view of themselves and the world and what they can access and with a sense of powerlessness and meaninglessness, which then starts to shift. Okay, lovely. So, so in, in, no, no, no. But, but you know, we're, we're talking about a, a pretty complex subject here, so I wouldn't expect a, a one sentence answer to describe all of that. Um, so, so I, I really like that. So, we're not just talking about telling them anything. We're actually getting them to um, to go through some sort of emotional journey. Um, so, so, so it would be for them to actively do something. Um, that would change their experience, which would then change their thought processes and then change further actions. Absolutely. So what would, and obviously everyone's different, but is there generally a similar first step that most people would take if they were going to go on that journey? I think so. I mean, I, it, it, it also depends very much um, on what is, of course, appropriate for a client if you talk about an individual yeah. client. But... I think generally speaking, for most people, um, as a first step, for example, shamanic journeying works. It works for most people. It gets them into an altered state. It gets them in, in touch with something bigger and wider than the small world they have created mm. within their brains. Yeah. Um, it gets them in touch with uh, spirit helpers, even in the beginning, they come across as if uh, the person is just imagining this. If, if you get a bit more uh, used to journeying, you know, it becomes mm. much more clearer that you're tapping actually into something which is bigger than, than what you can imagine or what you think you can imagine. But it gets them onto a path where they can address almost everything. Uh, themselves through a simple technique which is called journeying mm. so that's one of the of, of, of the things you can bring in right at the beginning it's a bit like um, you would bring in meditation practices yeah no? yeah and you makes can, sense. in a way fairly early on in the process of in the therapeutic process as something which accompanies what you're doing so, so um, what exactly is journeying then? Is that when so is that when someone has come to see you and they're willing to make that that change in themselves, or is there a specific thing that journeying involves? Yeah, no, this is, that's a technique basically. So, okay. uh, I think we talked about it, or, or I talked about it on the t- during the talk um, um, you attended. So, in a way, if we look at meditation. Um, we, we, we kind of have a technique, haven't we? Or, or, yes. or lots of techniques mm. of different ways to meditate. Some yeah. of them you just listen to your breath, otherwise others you use a mantra and so on and so on. Whatever is there, there's, there's there are loads of different ones. Um, shamanic journeying is in the end a technique and um, it's, it's a fourfold technique. So you start 
with an intent. So what do you want to explore is the first step. And you will discuss that together with the client. Mm. And so it comes out of the therapeutic process if we talk about clients. Um, so you, you, you have an intent. Let's say I want to um, explore where this and this issue is coming from. Okay. Yeah, so that would be your intent. Then you need, and then you need something which gets you into an altered state. Okay. Because as I said before, shamanism works in altered states. So mm. we are using a drum beat, which is a kind of very rhythmic drum beat. Uh, it's adjusted to the theta wavelengths of the brain. Yeah. And then from this intent, you begin to journey and then it is literally a journey. You just state your intent, you close your eyes, the drum is going, and you just go wherever it leads you. Yeah. So you, you, you're observing whatever comes. In a good shamanic journey with a client, they speak it aloud, so they constantly talk. Okay. It's almost like a visualization, but it's not, because you're not guiding. Okay. You're just creating that space with the drum beat. Yeah. They go on that journey and then there is a time limit and usually the time limit is about 20 minutes coming from that idea that um, anything, any question can be answered within 20 minutes on that journey. Okay. If it goes on longer, there's often uh, a problem with that the brain can't hold that intent and focus for much longer. It begins then to go all over the place. So a shamanic journey is something quite simple. It's almost like a therapeutic process. You kickstart it with yeah. an intent. You yeah. lead the person into an older state, and then they just go on a journey. Lovely. It's like you going on a journey, and you observe what's coming. Okay, so, so it's almost like giving someone the permission to go into like self-hypnosis. Absolutely, and giving them permission to explore rather than guiding them. Okay. So, in shamanism, it's all about if your intent is set up properly, yeah? yeah. And if you ask in for spirit help, and we do that beforehand, so we, we, we ask in for ask spirit help in, then the brain is capable of actually finding out what needs finding out all by itself. It doesn't need the therapist, but it needs to be set up properly in within the shamanic context. Yes. So have a proper intent, you go into an altered state and you have spirit help available and then you should get there. And then the work, the more therapeutic side of the work starts afterwards that you begin to integrate the outcome of the journey. Yeah. Now, and you can have many different ways to do that. Like homework or you, you, you do talk about it or you do exercises with it. No? Yeah. So that's idea. So okay. so that's one good way to go into uh, shamanic work. But another uh, very good way is, of course, you just participate in a ceremony, or you, um, or you uh, do some nature work. Or that, there's lots of ways. But journeying is a good one for clients within a therapeutic set, setting. Okay. And and with ceremony, is that where we start to talk about things like cybersilin or? Um, ayahuasca or using plants as medicinal, I don't know, type therapies? Probably not. Pro, pro, preferably not in the beginning stage. Yeah? Um, 
No, I mean, that is actually quite a misconception which lately um, has come to the fore. You see, ceremony has actually nothing to do with plant medicine in the first place. Mm. Um, ceremony is, well, if you look at ceremony, we do it in churches here. We have ceremonies, yeah. okay, they're very watered down ceremonies. Okay, so ceremony is in a way um, something which, again, in shamanism, you do it with an intent and then you set up a ritual around that intent. So if the intent is, for example, to let something go in your life, yeah, yeah you create a ceremony, which is a kind of ritual around that intent. And there are certain things which are always uh, um, within a ceremony. So again, you you call in spirit, you uh, create a ritual, let's say the simplest one, you do a fire ceremony on that. So you collect the wood in a sacred way, you bless the wood, the wood is then stacked in a certain way, spirit is called in, yeah, and the group stands around it. And you make something beforehand, also in a ceremonial way, which represents what you want to let go. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. And then um, you kind of uh, uh, open the ceremony, and then everybody goes to the fire, while the drums are going, for example, goes to the fire, burns whatever it is they want to let go, Mm. says a prayer, sends it basically up to spirit, and uh, asks for help for it. To let to let it go with love and then once this is all done so every participant has um, uh, done that um, then you you thank spirit you close the fire ceremony down you know and you uh, extinguish the fire you clear it all up this this idea of not leaving a trace if possible okay. and the ceremony is over so originally ceremony is just a a, a way of um, getting in touch with spirit, creating a certain field, a certain energy field. And ceremony can go quite deep for people because there's a lot of things happen in a good ceremony, but I don't want to go deeper into it. But of course, you see, in shamanic terms, everything, all the work which is done with spirit is done ceremonially in a ceremonial context because you always set it up in a certain way you always call spirit help in yeah yeah and then you always have an intent what you want to achieve and then you always close it by thanking spirit and by um dismantling and so coming back to the plant medicine plant medicine is also a ceremonial a ceremonial happening basically right um so ayahuasca um ibogaine um Ach, there's a few more magic mushrooms, forgotten peyote. Uh, all these are called ayahuasca ceremonies, peyote ceremonies, yes. mushroom ceremonies, and so on. And, and just, just quickly, Krista, is it yeah. does a ceremony have to involve other people? Um, yes and no. Um, no, in so far that you can do a ceremony by yourself, mm-hmm. and I do it regularly every morning. I do a ten-minute ceremony for myself mm-hmm. um, to just set me up for the day. Um, and it's a, it's a ritual I just do, you know, in a certain way. Yeah. And, and um, so you can do it comes stronger if you do it in a group. Yes. Because part of, of the ceremonial setup 
is that you all go into a similar altered state. I mean, a, a long ceremony, let's say, um, an indigenous ceremony um, in um, North America, Vision Quest, for example, which is called a ceremony, yeah. can last three, four days. Mm. Now. So you can get go quite into an altered state of consciousness. <clears throat> and in a group setting, it comes stronger, yeah. usually. No? But uh, let's say an ayahuasca ceremony, that's why they often do it in groups, because the energy is just intermingling. But coming back to the plant ceremonies, for example, with an ayahuasca ceremony, you also would have an intent, and you would have a certain setup, and it's all done very ceremonially. Yeah. But instead of what, putting your thing on the fire, which is a very simple thing to do, you drink the plant medicine, and you go on quite a journey. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's called a ceremony because it's set up ceremonially. Okay, so it's 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 having the intent, understanding what it is that you want by the end, possibly yeah. most likely doing it within a group, having something. It almost seems like it's it's set up to be the perfect metaphor. Almost. It is in a way. It is in a way, and funnily enough, you see, I think it touches that kind of fairly archetypal knowledge in us mm. the metaphor as you say it is it is like a metaphor for that and it's of course the, the other thing which you didn't me- mention is that it's vitally important to call in that spirit help mm. i mean often in ceremony so if you look at an ayahuasca ceremony um the shaman will always have an altar present okay uh, I- so so Often in ceremonies, you, you, you set up an altar as well, where you uh, represent the spirits you want in, in the ceremony. Yes. Yeah. But so it is, yes, it is like a metaphorical thing. It's, it's something, well, I mean, we know it, uh, that Catholic Church is better at ceremonies than, than the Lutheran Church, or the, you know, they do more pomp and... and, and right, okay. I, I, I did not know that, but that makes, that makes perfect sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it is that, you know, that massive setup which gets you into that altered state and then oh, and, and that touches so many things inside yourself. It's difficult to explain. I mean, it's, it's wider than what you usually do. You, you step out of that ordinary reality. Yes. It makes perfect sense, especially when people do things like a group dance as well. I assume that would be, that would be like a, a ceremonial a way of, of entering an altered state together that's actually matched with with other people so people who go to because i i personally haven't gone to a ceremony like this but i imagine i've i've entered altered states with people on sort of holotropic breathing exercises things like that and and they were beautiful so i imagine that people who go to these ceremonies must come out so much more connected to each other as well would that be fair to say you got it they come out more connected to themselves, yeah. not to, to an inner reality, which, which we don't access that often in mm. normal life. We are too busy. Um, they come out connected more to each other in that sense that there's almost like an experience of, in the essence, we are all the same mm. with all our differences. No? But in, in that space, which you just described with the dance, uh, you know, we all go through certain experiences there because we we are going deep enough to to so yes they're more connected to themselves and i think more connected to the wider field yeah it's the same as dancing isn't it yeah you're connected to because you disappear in that field somehow 
Lovely. So, so is that the same then as entering what some people would refer to as flow state? Yes. So, so it's being completely present. Um, sometimes yep. the understanding that the self is actually an illusion. So almost yep. that feeling of emptiness and then yep. just, well, like you said, yep. feeling a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, Absolutely. Which I, and, I think... And merging this step. Merging this and merging with it. As you say, what you call the flow state, isn't it? You, mm. you, you have that. You, you, your boundaries really don't exist anymore, and it's mm. a nice state to be in. It doesn't last that long. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that could lead us on to then quite nicely to again, and and, and this is this is also more for the people, uh, the skeptics listening into this. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase it here. So it, it almost goes back to the knowing something logically and knowing it emotionally, doesn't it? It's that we all know that smoking is bad for us. You only have to look on the front of a cigarette packet to see that it's going to kill us and harm people around us. Yet people who don't understand that emotionally still open up the packet and smoke away like there's no tomorrow. So, so it's interesting that, that you you don't... And, and, and I, I think this is probably the most important thing in any therapy, isn't it? That actually because it's it's a problem that stems from an emotional source that we're only dealing with it on an emotional level which requires the metaphors which requires the group connection and, and I completely understand how that how that would change the brain I guess the the difference though is to admit this is coming from a real materialist scientific viewpoint as opposed to metaphysical plane if that makes sense is that when people have these feelings of oneness or when actually anyone feels anything I know that with shamanism they would class that feeling as being real that altered state is just as real as the state that we're talking in now so we might be in a beta state uh, the way that our brain waves are going but the moment you're in a theta state and the things that you see whether it's a metaphor or an archetypal presence like a jaguar or a panther or a demon or a, a hero, knight in shining armor, any kind of metaphor, they would still class that as something that's very real, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, they would. Do, do so I guess I guess the question would be, and 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 this goes back to when you mentioned about calling in the spirits. I guess a lot of. Well, actually, most shamans, and again, I'm not too familiar with uh, shamanic practitioning, but they would they would genuinely believe in that moment that that's happening, wouldn't they? So on the flip side of that, would it be fair, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, by the way, would it be fair to say that we could be actually working within the realms of the placebo there? Because being in that setting, it sets up a really powerful placebo effect whether spirits are coming in or not I don't know if you've ever heard of the x-pill experiment yeah yeah so even sitting in front of a crowd and taking a pill that you know is a placebo like a tic-tac and saying I I am no longer going to have an eating disorder once I take this and I feel it go in I guess where where people would shamanism and like you said it's the it's the oldest psycho-spiritual practice so it's it's gotten very very good (laughs) at dealing with emotional yeah. issues but whether that's actually happening or whether it's a phenomenon of the brain yeah. can, can you see yeah. where yeah <laughs> you see the point that I'm trying to make you, 
And I tell you what, in one of my books, I spent page after page after page of going into, as far as I could, because I'm not a, a physicist, I'm not a, a chemist, going into that more scientific side of things. We don't know. I mean, I think that is the simplest answer I can give you so far. Neither does science, nor does shamanism, know mm. for sure. And I'm wondering yes. if we ever... In a shamanic it is all in the end about energy and consciousness. Mm. If we look at it from an energetic point of view, the world view of energies, yeah? yeah, we are looking at energy experiences, whether they come through our fantasy, our imagination, or whether they come in from the outside, mm. doesn't in the end matter from a shamanic point of view. Okay. Because these energy fields will have an influence. And in the end, our brain will interpret them because they go through our brain. Yeah. And our brain is formed in a way by millennia of human development, yeah. by how our society ticks, by how um, what we experience during childhood. Yeah. No? A traumatized child has a different brain from a non-traumatized child. What's in our genetic material and more. So from a shamanic point of view, if we look at it from pure energy point, energy and consciousness point of view, whatever happens, whether it's a placebo or not, doesn't actually matter because what matters is the energy happenings which then the brain will interpret. Yes. And the brain will interpret it in a way which is appropriate to that person. Now, coming, going a bit deeper there, because this is the most interesting subject, but I can't give you a straight answer. Let's say I send a, a person or we do a, a journey for power animal. Yeah? yeah. Which is in shamanism in a very basic sense. Um, an animal energy which you can access and you will, um, in the shamanic sense, everybody has one or two of them, two most of the time. And you will come up with an, anim uh, an animal in your visualization. Yeah, it will yeah. be an animal. That animal has a certain energetic quality. So a jaguar is a different energetic quality to a dog is a different energetic quality to uh, a mouse. Yeah. Now, in strict shamanism they would say the traditional shamans would say that that animal they can see it and they can see it around you and it is actually an actual animal which you have in your energy field okay right okay so this way yeah. yeah you haven't lost me but i'm kind of yeah no it's just this, this is it real or is it not real mm. yeah they would say this animal is real it's an energetic field which you carry with you at all times. Okay, okay, no, that, 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 that makes sense. They can see that from the outside. So they say basically it is independent of you. It's mm. independent of your imagination and it's independent of all of this. It exists independent, but it is attached to you because it is part of your energy, your animal energy, okay. where you come from God knows when. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, in Westerns, uh, in, in Western therapeutic terms, we would say 
that brain comes up with a certain animal in, uh, image, yeah? yeah, because these is these are the things that person needs at that moment in time. Okay, yeah, that that yeah. makes perfect sense as well. Yeah. So yes, so what is what? I haven't got a clue. What no. I do know is that traditional shamanism says this energy is around you at all times, and when you lose it, you get ill. And and how would one lose it? Ah, there are many ways to lose an energy. Uh, for example, in traditional shamanism, I can't tell you precisely with the animal, but um, in, in traditional shamanism, for example, women lose a certain amount of energy to childbirth. No? Okay. You're losing energy. Um, so loss can be is, is described as a loss of energy when you go through trauma. You're okay. losing a certain amount of your energy. Yeah. And the same can happen through to that animal energy. It can get split off, which means you're losing a certain amount of your power. Okay. So the idea. So coming back to your question, is it really out there? Is it placebo or is it our imagination? Mm. In shamanism, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, traditional shamanism, because it is about energy fields. And if your placebo pill creates a certain energy field because you believe it, yeah. that the thing will work, that's fine, then use it. Yeah. So they are much more pragmatic. Yes. So it's almost like, actually, we don't really care what's happening as long as you get better, as long yeah. as you get to where you want to be, then... You know, how it happens is almost secondary. Exactly. And from an energetic point of view, they say as long as can it can be coming to consciousness, as long as can it can be experienced, it exists. Because who knows, and science doesn't know it either, no. whether it exists in here or out there. Because for shamanism, this is all one. Yeah. And, and we know even on a particle level that's true as well. Yeah. Now, uh, for them, the boundary of your brain is an artificial Western construct. They basically say that boundary doesn't exist on an energetic level. Mm. What you're doing, you're filtering what you let in, and thanks goodness you do. Yeah. Otherwise, you can get completely overwhelmed. And with ayahuasca, that happens sometimes. Okay, so so let's talk a little bit more about ayahuasca then, because I mean that there's there's two different things that could be happening, really, isn't there? A little bit like what we're talking about with the power animal or a metaphor or. Either way, huge changes can happen. Now, I, I personally haven't done one, although I'm very, very intrigued to try. But I think for a lot of people who are looking to maybe open up their awareness a little bit more, especially coming from a Western society where we try to be more logical, we try to think logically about a feeling, which actually, in its sense, doesn't make it doesn't make sense. So the thing that I, the issue that I personally have, as well as people who I know who want to try it but haven't, is actually, are we changing the um, reception? Are we tuning into something else that's out there, or are we just breaking the blood-brain barrier, which is causing a, an extremely powerful hallucination, which can transform us? And I know that um, just from a talk that I've seen you do online as well. You, you delve into some really interesting studies of people who have had ayahuasca experiences and they've had the most incredible highs and the most extraordinary realisations that a person just wouldn't be able to fathom unless they'd gone through it themselves. Yeah. 
However, on the flip side of that, people can also go to extreme lows. And I, I, th- I think with your background being someone who is a psychologist who does lecture on post-traumatic stress disorder and has this background in, I guess, what would be a, a standard westernised education, whatever you'd call that, to being able to explore these other fields, whether you know, in dealing with energy and sh- shamanic practitioning, what's your opinion or what's your personal experience with people who take what some people would just class as a drug and potentially three six nine ceremonies later are going through you know extreme depression having bipolar is is this i mean either way i know that this isn't a recreational plant no one no one had you know does this for fun with their mates on a friday night this is okay whatever is going to happen tonight you're gonna you're gonna change your life here um what would you say to those people with those reservations who who feel like they may be stuck at a certain point, want to understand further about themselves, but have the little voice that says, am I just screwing up my brain? I'm very pleased that they have that little voice. Mm. You know, it is important to listen to that little voice. Um, uh, my personal opinion is that ayahuasca... Um, is very very powerful it can um literally open worlds for you which you um didn't know exist mm. uh, and therefore it's difficult to talk about it with people who haven't uh, had the experience it can change the view of what the world is about from a material uh view to a pure energetic view and yes it can blow your brain apart so so it is something which needs to be taken in a way, you know, that is as safe as possible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's at the moment on a very dangerous and slippery slope. We have actually no, no statistics which say that uh, ayahuasca can bring about psychosis or anything else which we would call serious mental uh, health issues. But it can bring about, if it's not digested properly, and uh, uh, high anxiety states. And also it can um, trigger something which is already latently there. Mm. No? Um, but so can hypnosis. Yes. We only had one or two cases, but it can. If you have a, a, a latent kind of um, bipolar or schizophrenia within the family and so on, if you have genetic predisposition we know it it can trigger so it 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 happens extremely rarely and the same with ayahuasca and we had some people who died on ayahuasca so one needs to be quite careful with ayahuasca in so far that what should be applied uh is what should be applied in every good therapy especially also if you use altered states Mm. as quickly beforehand questions should be asked you see, mm. it's really difficult for me to say that because I think these plant medicines are hugely beneficial. Yeah. I think can open up worlds. We know from ibogaine that they can be incredibly helpful with drug addiction, especially with heroin addiction. Yeah. We know from ayahuasca that it can be helpful with that. We know that... Uh, it, it, it can uh, clear depression, it can clear anxiety, What it and it can help you to work through trauma. 
Yes. But it needs is it, it needs to be done in a proper setting where really people are screened. And that's the problem we're facing now that we have in South America where ayahuasca is at home. Uh, but also here, we have more and more people coming up who literally just put up an ayahuasca ceremony. Mm. Uh, you know, don't look into, don't do a little bit of a case history. And the other reason, um, the other thing with ayahuasca is, of course, there are certain medical conditions where it is um, advised not to take high doses or not to do it at all, like like heart conditions, now high blood pressure, anything which 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 because with ayahuasca you you're increasing um, your heart rate and your blood pressure, and you can get anxious when the drug suddenly or the, the plant suddenly sets in. Yeah. Coming back to um, what it does, I mean, it, it it works individually quite strongly ayahuasca. Yeah. Which is which is the beauty of the plant medicine, huh? it, it 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 gives you exactly what you need. It, it touches, it 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 brings out exactly um, what you need. And very often, it as I said, it's done with an intent. It's done in a ceremonial way. But that's now. what I keep hearing. Yeah. You prepare for it. Now you 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 state your intent. You find what you actually want to achieve with that ayahuasca session. And from that, you do something. You, you, you direct it to a certain extent. Okay. But still, it is, and it's of course also a purging drug. Now it's a cleansing, cleansing plant. Now so many yeah. people vomit and shit like hell. <laughs> I've also heard that. Yeah. It, it coming to it, so it was the idea of, of I guess its benefits versus its cons, because because the one thing that. The, I guess the, I say skeptics, I don't want to say skeptics, but maybe the materialists would say is, well, yeah, your, your brain's just on drugs and it's doing something extraordinary. But I don't know one person, and I person, and, and this is where you, you might have a, a differing opinion, I haven't come across one person or heard of one case study where someone took ayahuasca and said, oh, yeah, my brain did some incredible things. They genuinely, they come out genuinely feeling like they've left their bodies, that there is something a lot more, that they're not just neurons firing around, that they're not just particles that have come together. The, the sense of oneness that you spoke about, and um, that seems to be practically universal between people. They say there's the oneness, they, they get confronted with their inner demons, but but not one person seems to say, oh yeah, no, my my brain was on some drugs and it made my neurons fire in a way that I didn't think was possible and what an amazing experience but no that's probably not for me everyone seems to say no I now understand I have this inner knowing that there is this oneness etc etc so have you come across someone who no 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 <laughs> there, there we go there no no it is it is um they are experiences like no other and it's really difficult to stay on that level of saying it's just the brain firing you know mm. i mean there is something more happening now yeah. uh, like with, with dmt and so on is there is something something more happening now we do know a bit from scientific studies um that um certain regions of the brain i think the pineal gland uh, oh, yeah, pineal gland, yeah. Under, under, um, under the influence of ayahuasca, but we don't know enough about it. Um, 
Yeah, but how people, as you say, people experience it as if they're going into another reality. Mm. Yeah? And connecting with another reality and get out of their bodies. Yeah. And, uh, and, and confront what needs confronting. And it feels, in a way, it's quite interesting because you are massively into it. So you're really in the experience. You experience that. But at a certain time, when you confront, as you said, day demons, when you are um, really confronted with that dark stuff, you can you can do it. It's not something which overwhelms you. You are not. You might be overwhelmed for a while that it's 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 not pleasant at all. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, this is part of it. And it will do me good in the end. So it, it, it's a it's a very funny way to experience it, as if we really are in a held in a much wider field, you know, mm. which makes it okay. I sometimes wonder if you know, I don't know with ayahuasca, but with ibogaine, they go very del- in in Africa, they go very deliberately into the childhood traumas. Okay. And they also um, have done um, studies on where the brain is. It might interest you as a also as a, who does a bit of hypnotherapy or is a hypnotherapist that also works with very much with older states with meditation and so yeah. on. Um, they found that when people are confronted with this very, very deep traumatic experiences like on child abuse, violence in childhood and, and, and worse stuff, that at the same time the brain is almost on a level of a reptile. So it's very, very, very calm on one level. And with that extreme calmness, they can actually look at those, look back at those experiences and don't have to push them away again, as we usually do with trauma, which makes it worse. Yeah. But can really look at it and just put it into the past. But it seems with iBook in the brain, part of the brain is so calm. It's on that level. I don't know the reptile level. I don't know much about it. But it seems to be a level where you only act when you're shortly after you're born. Right. Okay. So it, that, that, that would make sense. That would. Be, I, I think children's brain waves are generally much slower, aren't they, I think, in the first four, six years of because yeah. they're having to absorb so much, so generally. Yeah, yeah. And this seems to be a very, very low mm. brainwave level. I have never um, experienced Ibogaine. I don't know how it works, but there are some interesting studies. And I think, so I think the brain comes in, in a way. But for people, it seems they experience it as if it's really outside. They are going out of their... Yeah. Yeah. That that that's really because I I it's so fascinating because I I came across something the other day where it was it was talking about um, MDMA therapy. Yeah. And and one of my favorite quotes that came out of that was someone said, "Yeah, if if you take this kind of therapy, can you get the same results without taking MDMA um, on this type of therapy?" They said, "Absolutely, but you might not be able to do it in this lifetime." And, and it seems like these things are very similar. The, the really fascinating thing that is, I mean, my, my book and especially the kind of coaching that I do with people, it's very much talking about what's happening to them on a biochemical level. So yes. the moment that we, and very, very similar to what you mentioned in your talk, a lot of the time we're trying to 
enter an altered state of consciousness, I would add to that that we're trying to change our biochemistry, which very much a lot of the time is the same thing, yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, don't say with, 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 with ayahuasca that this is happening. Yeah. We'll have to see. So, yeah, which is really interesting when hopefully that the gap between the, the two theories begins to close and I think that's only a matter of time maybe not in our lifetimes but certainly a gap that I think is closing <laughs> but um but I, I think interesting what you just said can I just come in yeah here? sure MDMA, uh, you see and 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 uh, there are lots of studies being done as we speak mm. and there's lots lots going yeah. on with MDMA uh, therapy I would actually kind of just from experience agree. You see, also in shamanism, we, we here in the Western world, we think that we need to accomplish everything ourselves. It's an individualistic kind of way of thinking. And individualism has a huge advantage. It's beautiful, but it also has um, an ego side to it. Yeah. And, and we have internalized it big times. Shamans would say that, or traditional shamans would say that certain mental, emotional, spiritual problems you cannot solve yourself because that's why they do soul retrieval, they do it actually for you. I want to tie that in with MDMA because um, I do think that certain, okay, I know it mostly from trauma, but certain trauma experiences especially if you had them very young they were inconsistent and it was in a very very dangerous and unsafe environment um and as you said they produce biochemical changes mm. it's very very difficult to process all of this by yourself in one lifetime yeah and i think in, in shamanism they would say it's partly impossible because we are experiencing soul loss and the soul flees and the soul goes into realms which you cannot access and I cannot access with our normal consciousness. So, okay. so that might be one of the things which, which happens with ayahuasca. I don't know, but it might be that what we say, so the demons and the stuff we, we, we do access energetically, and we put it into images or images, um, that these are part of the bits uh, we need to bring back energetically. Yeah. And MDMA, I think because it lifts us, you might know more about it because you you, you are more on the, um, on the biological level. MDMA gives us such a lift, doesn't it? it yeah. It, it, it fires it fires us up and it's when you dance on mdma i mean you don't feel your body anymore you really are not this heavy creature no no i i totally agree with that and and the the idea of going back and visiting trauma but with a different biochemistry with with a dissociated biochemistry it's almost like you're rerunning that memory through a different filter now absolutely Absolutely, and you have the experience, and you get the experience that you can actually rerun it, and you st can stand it. Yes. Now, and and usually you get the experience. Oh God, if I even think about it, I'm getting a panic attack, and I need to run away, and I better have a glass of whiskey. Yeah. 
or whatever you use. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to change your, your state of consciousness, yeah. change your biochemistry again, yeah. yeah. And from that point of view, I think MDMA is, is really something we should use. Now. And, and with ayahuasca, um, but you know, as you know, it also goes further. We also need to evolve a bit consciousness-wise mm. at this mm. moment in time. Yes. And, and that's and the other side of ayahuasca, isn't it? With it the, seems... And that that's the interesting side, and that's the part that I am very unfamiliar with. It's when people come to see me, in my mind, it's, okay, well, what's happening, whether they're depressed, anxious, bipolar, there is a biochemical shift that needs to be made. Yeah. But but I, I, I've obviously, <laughs> de- dealing with altered states of consciousness as well, you know, even this morning in the meditation room at the Buddhist Centre, getting a lovely sense of bliss and feeling present... I personally have had moments where I feel like I've had a different sense of awareness that I couldn't explain. Yeah. But it's the question that I've been mulling over my mind is, is this just biochemistry at its best or is there something more to it? I've been mulling about that over for a long time and I haven't found the answer either. It's worth an ask. It was worth No. Today. No, no, they, they, they're, they're lovely when it happens, but I, but I feel like I did earlier, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I do think, you know, you know more about biochemistry than I do. I do think we need to evolve, and part of the evolving is to change that biochemistry, isn't it? We talked about it, um, about the fight and flight. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And you said rightly we still function from it yeah so, so we, we've still got the old caveman software running around in our brains and bodies but we're living in a completely different world so we're, we're going to have those mismatches yeah and, and i think our world has now evolved to a point where we really need to to work on those mismatches don't we yes and another mismatch i think is that we are not spiritually advancing you see uh, uh, I think we have gone backwards there yeah I, I completely agree with that I guess the, the big question and this is going to probably sound really silly but I'm going to ask it anyway because I mean obviously living in a Buddhist centre despite not being Buddhist but there is this theory of enlightenment that there is a stage where you get to you 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 keep progressing in your consciousness and then one day whether it's in this lifetime another lifetime it just happens mm. when people talk about advancing spiritually or evolving consciously yeah. is there and i know even just phrasing like this it goes against what the answer is most likely going to be but is there an end goal is there a place where enlightenment would happen or is is it never ending growth? Yeah. So with with oh, come on, you know it as well as I do. We don't know, do we? We are not there. We don't know. Okay. No, no, no. I'm taking it seriously. I'm going. Yeah. Okay. You see, in shamanism, I think the end 
growth is much more collective because okay. the one thing which distinguishes or one of the of the of the strands which distinguishes shamanism from quite a lot of other spiritual system is of course the collective it is the idea that originally the shamans or this this person in in, in the tribe who developed these kind of powers and who developed all his life was focused on that uh, connection with these energies and yeah. these cosmic energies as well as uh, earth energies this guy had this or woman woman as well there's lots of women actually the oldest shamanic skeletal we found so far was a female but uh, okay. so this this guy or woman um they did that mainly with the purpose to bring uh, the community in harmony with spirit okay yeah so originally this was actually developed uh in the sense to form that bridge between in in in, in very layman's terms between heaven and earth between the spirit world which is the energetic underlying world and um the world of human existence so i'm coming back to your question <laughs> i believe you <laughs> coming round to that and that depends which which area of shamanism you look at there's for example the Kogi in south america they believe quite firmly that the the original creation however you want to call it coming out of this nothing which we can't imagine mm. was actually the wish of spirit to experience itself okay yeah and that it had to split and split and split and split and split and and kind of uh, manifest in 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 these millions of forms it has manifested and that in a way that there is an intent behind it and the intent is to experience itself in all its variations mm. yeah yeah but so we are just one of these variations therefore there is no ultimate end game all there is is to be in contact contact with spirit to understand in which form it wants to ex- itself experience itself through us yes yeah so that we want strength but there is also of course an other one that it's basically the ultimate aim is to bring the community in harmony with with the spiritual intent and that spiritual intent is about growth and it is about beauty and it is about creation mm. and it is about all of this it is not about war about famine about you know yeah so it's kind of it's difficult to say individualized because the individual shaman of course will evolve quite massively mm. but he or she is not doing that for with the aim of enlightenment for himself him or herself mm. the aim is to understand spirits yeah kind of spirits wish spirits uh, i i i know exactly what you mean though it it's it's down. so to be able to re-experience itself yeah, almost a full loop of uh, yeah and and then going back to this source of creation absolutely absolutely and in the end of course it would be you see to experience that oneness because that's when it all started yes 
Now, so that would be the ultimate experience if you could stay in that. Now, that would okay. be the, from an evolving point of view. Yeah, and that's very beautiful, isn't it? Because I guess it's about having that balance of understanding the true nature of self, yeah, but then yeah. enjoying the actual experience of being you in this body, in this life, being able to drive a car, make love, make friends, yeah. grow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 Take some MDMA. Take some MDMA, dance yeah. with your mates. And, mm. and and while we while our 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 kind of you know our interplay is very small we interplay within this reality and mm. when it starts to widen when we do that and it becomes wider and wider and wider and goes deeper and deeper then it becomes a, a meaningful existence because out of that will come meaning out of that for you out of, of, of looking deeper into what into uh, the biochemistry side of, of, of human feelings and behaviors and so on out of it comes meaning doesn't it what you're doing now has meaning for you yes yeah the, I get the issue that, that I would have is that meaning and truth aren't necessarily the same no they're not um because yeah it, it can make me feel amazing if I'm helping someone but whether that's truth whether it feels um, amazing if someone believes in, in a religious god for example and yeah. believes that the, or, or someone who just has the inner purpose of believing that they're supposed to be the best mum they can be that might not necessarily be the same as truth which some people which sounds really cynical at first might just say well that's just a genetic Byproducts of needing purpose to fit in with a tribe so you can give value, so you can survive and reproduce. The meaning that you've spoken about of um, all the two potential um, shamanic philosophies, if you like, that guides the whole process are much more beautiful than that, though, aren't they? It's much more beautiful to genuine... And this is where I think you're right, where ayahuasca comes in, because you don't just think of this as a philosophy... You can feel that. You feel it, and yeah. and, and that's yeah. and, and experience it. Experience it. That's it, and it's yeah. a and that's a completely different phenomena. Yeah, and we coming back to what we said in the beginning. Exactly. I mean, in the end, shamanism is about experiencing. Now we can talk mm. about it forever, but it is an experiential thing, and and it provides a huge amount of ways and means to get these kind of experiences. Mm. I mean, from from the drumming, the journeying, the vision quests, the this, that, and the other, to the plant medicines on on the end of the spectrum, yeah. to 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 get these experiences quite out of the ordinary, now yeah. on a on a scale, on a on a on a now scale from a bit out of the ordinary to bloody extreme out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the big, of the big, um, yeah, the strength of shamanic uh, things. And and coming back to the client in the practice, uh, I think that is one of the weaknesses of current therapy. Yeah. That we are holding people still into narrower space. We are too symptom focused. Yes. As opposed to tackling the source or even preventing further things from happening. Yeah. Yeah. And. 
and and also to help them a bit on top of it to expand their consciousness a bit yeah what are actually about you know because sometimes things fall by the wayside almost once you experience yourself in that that you are more than um uh that headache or more than uh that behavior or more than that anxious person that that you are actually more uh, yeah and and what it does, I think, like like you said, it, it changes something. It changes something um, on an energetic level, of course, and, and bringing it more to on a biochemistry level, which which we don't we don't have a clear explanation no. why it changes it. No, but but I I totally understand the the moment. That's almost the absolute top of the pyramid, isn't it? Your, your spiritual, your global beliefs and meaning of life. The moment that that changes, even just by one degree, everything yeah. changes. Your behaviours, your beliefs, capabilities, environment, yeah. all just in that moment, um, in an instant, will change. That is interesting that you say that because that's exactly what it is. And in ultimate, you know, if you can provide these kind of experiences with a clear intent, you know, yeah. what you actually want to change, then it can be, then it's this little miracles, you know, suddenly a little miracle happens. And and we can take that back again to what we started off, you see, even if a placebo can do it, yeah, it is still the result you want in the end. And, and in shamanic thinking, it really doesn't matter because what the placebo did it it seemed to have worked for whatever reason on that ultimate level yeah. and changed something quite profound and it's often through people's belief system of course not because that's the whole philosophy isn't it but there's something really fascinating so there's, there's a, a thing that i mentioned within um within my book actually called the logical levels of change so, oh, yeah. so when people you might have heard of it, I think it's it's an NLP term, and I you, yeah. So environment, behavior, beliefs, identity, and there's yeah. a moment where I I think I've, I'm trying to remember the sentence, but I say that me as your coach won't have access to your spiritual, global things. That's not something that is necessarily my ability, as far as I know right now, to change, and that seems like from what you've been saying, the absolute differential between someone like a shaman and someone like the standard therapist. The shaman will actually go to the very top of that pyramid to start that change so we get that lovely trickle-down effect. God, you're good. (laughs) (laughs) No, you are. No, because that's exactly what it is. Mm. The only thing we need to be careful here is that we really here make a distinction between the traditional highly, highly developed shaman yeah. and a lot of people who call themselves shamanic practitioners here now. Yeah. now. But yes, the shaman coming out of a lineage and having gone through massive training or having had um, the initiation early, you know, with the, near, the, the, the death and life initiations and all training which goes with it, mm. would be exactly that. They can go up there, which you just said, to that level and then change it right down. And that's why they say many clients cannot get there even by themselves. Yeah. They do need the shaman to go there and do it for them. And that goes, of course, very much against our philosophy in Western therapy. Yes. It, yeah. uh, and, and I guess that there's other ethics that could potentially be involved with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 
That's another interview. Yeah, I'll, 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 definitely. Well, oh, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and on that note, I think we've brought it beautifully back to the beginning yeah. there, Krista. Thank you so much for coming on. I've absolutely loved it. Um, just as a quick one to the listeners here, um, where can people find you? Oh, people can find me on my website, which is www.kristamckinnon.com. Quite easy. Beautiful. You can, it's, you can um, and my books are on there, and the workshops I run on there, and everything else. Perfect. And- it's a sheer pleasure talking to you. Yeah, oh, if, if I had it my way, we'd, I'd love to have you on again, Krista, because I think, you know, talking about life, philosophy and everything in, in between is just just marvellous. What a way to spend uh, to spend your Mondays. Um, but on that note, thanks ever so much for coming on, Krista, and uh, we'll speak soon. Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you very much, Lester, and yeah, we, we will speak soon. Absolutely, bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening, glorious people. So if you like what you heard and you want to hear more of it, don't hesitate to like, subscribe, do whatever to keep following at uh, www.lestersavage.com or www.lestersavage.co.uk if you're from the UK. And you can also like us on our Facebook page, um, Facebook forward slash The Lester Savage. That's the same with Instagram. It's the same with Twitter. We've got some great guests coming up. I look forward to hearing from you soon.